Welcome back to Backlog Books. My name is Kara. I'm your host. I'm just jumping in at the beginning to remind you that this is part two of the conversation I had with Daniel about The Shadow Rising by Robert Jordan. In this episode, we talk about Matt and Doorways to Fairy and the Aiel and some about Rand, that guy. Uh, and at the very end, we remember that Brigitte Silverbow shows up <laughs> in this book. Um, so, oh, also we were, this was like a conversation we had over about three hours, kind of late at night after work. So we were kind of slowing down and getting a little tired in this part, um, so if, if we seem a little lackluster in some of our responses, I would say that's why, not out of any lack of love for the content. Anyway, uh, I'll leave you to it. See you at the end. To the I.O. Waste? To the I.O. Waste, um, so we should probably briefly talk about Matt a little bit more, which I know Yay! is your favorite subject. Um, Hell yeah. Because Matt, so there's these doorways to fairy yep. in this book because Robert Jordan never saw like a world building element that he didn't immediately incorporate into his story. Heck yes. <laughs> so there's these doorways uh, and they're magic items and they they take you to a, a world with weird rules about like iron. Um, and music. And music. Uh, and fire. Mm-hmm. And then the, they find the first doorway is in tier and mm -hmm. they know when you go through it, you ask three questions and get three answers basically yes. and if you ask the wrong questions or so, you could just disappear like you could go in that doorway and never come back yeah um but also you can only go through the doorway once in your life yeah so far one of the things that this book series has done to me is that now anytime a character is like oh yeah this is the way the world works i'm like <laughs> is it though like uh-huh chances are good you just don't know anything yeah like yeah that happens a lot that's very Every, true anytime a character is like this is how the world works i'm like it's not though yeah <laughs> now i know four books in it's not how the world works <laughs> <laughs> there are yet pieces to unravel yeah so matt of course resists for 12 hours maybe and as soon as he hears about this portal <laughs> and then goes in and is like what's up adventure um i have questions <laughs> yeah but he does the classic mistake because he doesn't really know what he's doing he gets in there and he asks his first question and then he he gets an answer and he's like wait i have a follow-up question he tries to ask a clarifying question yep and it just makes it more confusing and mm -hmm. he uses his three questions and gets like a really confusing set yeah. of answers. Yeah. He he knows less than when he went in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but what he does know after coming out is that 
Uh, he's gonna marry the whatever. <gasps> you can't just give it away. I'm sorry. He's gonna marry <laughs> the, I can't, the couldn't princess remember. of the nine ravens or something. I... Some It's nine something. I thought oh, it was wait, like nine, nine daughter moons. of the nine moons. Daughter of the nine moons. That's yeah. what it is. Daughter yeah. of the Dawn nine, nine, nine moons. moons. He's yeah. gonna become prince of ravens. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And he needs to go to Ruadine with Rand. Yes. Like that's very important for him. Um, and then he gets like carried and yeeted out of the tower of the doorway. Yep. Um, which was very funny because immediately after him out of the doorway comes Rand. And then immediately after Rand comes Moraine. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like the three Spider-Men pointing at each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful little comical yeah. moment. Yeah. And this was another element in in book two, The Great Hunt, when Robert Jordan introduced the the uh, portal worlds yes. and the uh, traveling stones. Mm-hmm. I remember that being a little bewildering yeah. in the way it was introduced in the story. And it mostly the first time I read through was just because... I, as a young reader, was very unfamiliar with a lot of those type of mythological sure. stories and elements. On later rereads, the the portal worlds and particularly um, these twisted doorway uh, Terangriel are more sensical in their whimsical magicalness. Yeah. yeah. And the world. As it is described, I think uh, he's Matt and and Randon and Moraine are all talking to the eelfin. Mm. Uh, they're uh, these are the snake-like creatures. Is that right? Is that what you remember? I don't know. Um, so we they didn't are... actually specify who they were. I've been calling them the Seely and the Unseely. Yeah, because they're the fairy courts, um, and that's basically. I think that's the setup for what these creatures are like in this world. Because there's no good or evil yeah. in the fairy courts. It's just they're two different sides, yes. basically. They just work against each other. Yes. Or... If As long as you, you kind of hold on to that perspective, yeah. it works appropriately. Yeah. Um, they they are certainly playing on the elements of the fairy. Yeah. Um, this And we dimension... have gotten warnings about the snakes and foxes. Yes. Oh, so yes. we've started that process, um, but we I haven't love that that, delved into that. That yet. he also has such specific elements of using games mm-hmm. in the setting, yes. and how those games are representative of larger context. Mm-hmm. And the snakes and foxes. Well, and it's like is a game that's almost impossible to win. How else do you like pass knowledge down for three thousand years? Yeah. Or like this is knowledge from three thousand years ago, and now it only survives as a game or a children's rhyme. Yeah. Like, and you see that in Lord of the Rings, where when Aragorn comes to the Houses of Healing, they're like, "Oh, this is like the children's rhyme or whatever, isn't it?" What they said is that he'll come with healing hands. Like, that it's just something that's so old and forgotten that it just barely survives. Yeah. Still, there's just a hint of it. Just a hint of it. Still. And the so. so like in the larger context, like it, it's basically just called the other world, yeah. you know, as, as so often um, like fairy mm-hmm. realms or dimensions are are referenced there. The other, um, but the, like the world that he describes, like that dimension space, is so mm-hmm. intriguing because it's just it's like 
weird patterns and mazy corridors yeah. and lot you know it's it's labyrinthine. labyrinthine and when he looks out windows like it's just it's, really yeah, weird like dr strange. seuss visage is yeah. what i kept thinking it's like it's all just kind of cartoony and surreal and yeah fascinating and yeah. then you finally encounter these beings that are on like high chairs mm-hmm. and like just alien in nature and so different from even the Trollocs and the other weird yeah. stuff we've encountered so far. Well, Here's yet another weird creature. And, like, if you think about what I was talking about earlier with Perrin, is, like, these three country bumpkins have seen more of the world than a lot of people at yeah. this point. They've encountered more weird stuff. They've done more weird things and been to more weird places than most people have. Right. Like, probably... Bale Doman and like Moraine are the more well traveled. Yeah. But like compared to the random guy they meet in Tier, like these these kids know a lot about the world and this is still something there's obviously way more things to uncover. Mm-hmm. And like this is something that's beyond anything they've ever seen. They don't have a reference for it. Yeah. Like there's no they can't draw a parallel between this and anything else they've done. Yeah. So yeah, so they yeah. do that. So we know Rand and Moraine have also gotten to go in and ask questions. Uh-huh. And of the the three, obviously Moraine's going to be the one that would probably have her head on her shoulders and ask the appropriate questions. Yeah. So I now mean, she has secret knowledge. The And Rand does too. Yeah. But... He knows he, more. He, he's a little driven by his he, questions. Yeah. So the other thing is that Matt, because of brain reasons, understands the old tongue. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to perfectly understand what these creatures were saying. Yeah. And whereas Rand went in and had like a dictionary. Yeah. Right. And had to like <laughs> use it to translate. Which, um, as we all know, if you've ever looked or tried to translate, oh, it's like a Google language, Translate. You're just like, right? uh, I think it means this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh God, how did you conjugate that? Where do I even find it? So, um, yeah. So. Probably they all got it was just so funny. I the the moment where they all come out and Moraine's been like, Don't do it, it's so dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, honey. Um so yeah. So they go to Ruidine together. Yeah. And Rand <laughs> uses a portal stone to take all the Aiel with him. He's like, Bye, Tier, I'm gonna leave the sword back in the stone. Nobody touch Nobody touch this. Nobody touch it. Or else. <laughs> um, and he uses a portal stone to take them to Rudine. And he barely manages it, but he does. And they don't spend three months in the nether space this time. This time. <laughs> um, and they get there and Rand's like, hey, uh, I need to go on your super secret vision quest into your super secret city. Yeah. And the Aiel are like, hmm. I don't know, buddy. Um, but he convinces them, and he somehow also manages to convince them to let Matt in as well. Yeah. Or Matt is like, I'm going. Goodbye. Yep. <laughs> um, which was very funny because the boys are, like, arguing passionately about this. And then Moraine and Avienda are like, 
streaking into the city behind them yeah. because they have to go also on a vision quest into Ruidine, but they can't wear clothes when they do it. So yeah. <laughs> there they go. Um, they're going through another they're similar like the wise one. Durangriol, yeah. and their the their clothes would get burned away if they yeah. went through that portal anyway. Yeah. Um, um, so they go on this vision quest, and we'll talk about the vision quest, but. The thing they find in Ruidine is a bunch of magic items, turret Angriol. Yeah. And saw Angriol and whatever. Um, and they're all around the Tree of Life. Yep. Of Indosora. Of Indosora. And Matt is sitting there waiting for Rand to go through his vision quest. And he's looking around. He's like, okay, there's a lot of stuff. And he's like, oh, dope. There's another one of those archways here. I'll go in this time. I know what questions I'm going to ask. I'm got, so ready for this. I'm so ready. I've got three specific questions <sighs> I'm definitely going to ask. And he gets in there. And it's like the mirror universe version of the same place, right? Yeah, now so, he meets the elephant. So same rules about fire and iron and music. They're all still speaking in the old tongue. But this time the guards are wearing like armor made of human leather, human skin, yep. perhaps. Yep. Uh, and he's like, okay, the vibes are a little weird, but I'm here. <laughs> Let's do this. And he tries to ask them questions and they're like, no, that's not what we do here. Tell us what you want. Yeah. And he's like starting to get really frustrated. And then he's, he says, I want... You know, you want to know what I want? Here's what I want. And yep. he's like, I want the holes in my memory filled. I want a way free from the power or free from the influence of the Aes Sedai. Yeah. And I want to get back to Ruidine. And yep. they're like, boy, you're lucky about that last one. Because <laughs> what they do is they grant wishes. Yeah. Uh, but usually you like negotiate a price uh -huh. for the wishes beforehand, which Matt neglected to do yep um but he did say he wanted to get back to ruidine safely maybe yeah so they're like okay so not, here's what we're gonna safely. do <laughs> so they hang him from the tree the tree of life the tree of life which is not quite what odin does but it's pretty close because like it's odin, pretty close odin climbs up there himself yes he knows what he's doing yeah but so Matt gets the silver fox medallion, a big spear with two ravens on it. Yep. And uh, and he gets his memories field. Yes. But what whose memories are these, should we say? He certainly doesn't know. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so he this... was non-specific. They're like, hmm, got some memories. Okay, let's go. Shove a bunch of memories in there. Okay, Pack bye. Yeah, fill that bad boy up. Yeah. He's done. Okay, yeah. throw him out. Yeah. Um, so this is certainly one of the moments that I've been waiting for you to get to. Mm -hmm. um, and things take so long to get to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, four books in, it's taken to get anywhere really interesting with Matt. Yeah. He has just done nothing but suffer 
for that one choice he made in book one yeah, well, to get that one magic item with the shiny jewel on it that yeah, was well, cursed. Steal a cursed dagger, win stupid prizes. That's an important lesson, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Very important. Four books delayed. He yeah. just literally started negative levels. God, yeah. Um, but now his character has made it through the doorway. Mm. He has asked for knowledge. He has sought and risked, and he has been hung from the tree of life. Yeah. His brain has been filled with memories of who knows what sort. Yeah. He's been given this badass magic spear, a Shandari, and Ashandari, uh-huh. and it is the coolest weapon except for maybe one other that eventually comes in. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But it is... It's basically like a, a Naginata mm-hmm. um, from uh, Japanese mythology, or not mythology, but culture. Um, so it's like a, a long spear with like a curved blade on the end. Yeah, and I it's know what a just, is. It's cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, so on the on the spear itself, it's got two ravens. Uh-huh. It does also say something. And it also, um, so, I can't remember exactly what it says, but... It says it, something about thought and memory. The, the arrow of memory through time and thought or something along those lines basically it's kind of representing what's going on with the memories in his head Uh um and that he's and that the ravens are memory and thought of hugen and mugen um hunan and anyway uh of odin's Odin's ravens Ravens. yeah Yeah. (laughs) so it's it's so fun to start seeing some of these little flavor you know, accessories yeah. coming to these characters. Yeah. They're finally leveling up. Yeah. They're getting the cool stuff. They're getting their magic items. Um, and I just, I love the cost that happens to Matt here. Like, again, went off foolishly, unprepared, barely comes out alive. Yeah. It is only by the grace of Rand timingly, like, yeah, coming out well of his timed. own vision quest yeah. that he arrives to see Matt hanging from the tree before he has fully died. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like now it, it really feels like, you know, Matt can finally move forward. He's got something to start yeah. building on. This was a setup book for Matt. Yeah. Like it, it was, we need you to get these magic items so we can set you up for what comes next for you. Because obviously like having the memories of a long dead Manether in general, for example, in your head is going to do some weird stuff to you. And also, like, having something that protects you from the one power is going to be extremely influential in whatever is coming next. Yeah. Um, Because that's, like, a huge part of this story is Mm -hmm. who has the magic and who can wield it and what do they use it for. And it gives, it will give Matt a a very particular dynamic with Aes Sedai going forward. I'm sure. I'm sure they will not like it at <laughs> no, all. <laughs> they do not. <laughs> I'm sure he won't be extremely annoying about it. Uh, <laughs> I love it so much. Um, it is, it's just absolutely one of my favorite moments for Matt. And it's, it really is just one of the like top 10 moments of yeah. the book series. Yeah. Like, and it's hard to, to meet that. And there's so much context about what is happening in Rudine right now because Matt's just coming out of the doorway. 
Rand's just coming out of um, his the, vision quest. The triple arches, which are a sister Tarangriel mm-hmm. to what the Aes Sedai go through for mm-hmm. their accepted uh, yes. uh, raising. And Moraine and Avienda have gone through that archway as well. Yeah. And so they're, these four characters going through these magic items in Ruidin are are definitely going to continue to intersect. The consequences mm. of what they've all learned and why they've gone through these yeah. and how they are different from mm-hmm. the moments before they went in and when they come out after uh, are going to echo between each other for the rest of the series. Yeah. Um, there's far too many spoilers to easily give away, so I'm not going to say anything else about Thanks. it. Thanks. But <laughs> it is... It is fun to look back at it and see yeah. just how well structured this scene was. This yeah. setup in Rudin. You also mentioned that you the the city is ancient and forgotten, mm-hmm. and you know, incomplete incomplete towers and and old it's buildings protected by magic fog. Nobody goes in there unless they're doing the Ayil Chieftain Vision Quest or the Wise Ones or the Wise Ones. Yeah. So it's like the the city in the desert that guards something either an ancient evil or like protects some important like aspect of this culture that's nearly been forgotten yeah is a thing you see in other stories yeah um but that like one city in the desert mm-hmm. like that's a very powerful visual from a lot of stories absolutely um the only one I can actually think of right now is Tamor Pierce's Tortal books. Nice. That's one of the vision. That's one of the quests that her main hero goes on. Is they go and they cleanse the city in the desert of an ancient evil, basically. <laughs> and that's like the first thing she does is like a page in training to be a knight. So oh, like wow. that's like step. <laughs> Where do you go from early there? on the quest? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's that's what I just kept thinking of this whole time. I was just going to ask, uh, leading from that, what did you think about uh, Moraine and Avienda's journeys? Um, we didn't actually get very much information about what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, Moraine is hilariously tagging along to the Aiel Waste um, with Rand, even though like her uncle is... Let's see if we remember this. Layman... Mm-hmm. who was the whole reason for the Aiel War to happen. Yep. Because he chopped down the sapling of the Tree of Life. Avon Doral Della. Doral Daryl. Take your time. Like that. Yep. Take your time. But yes, uh, a sapling of the Tree of Life. And so the Aiel spent 20 years messing up everybody in Randland until they killed him. Uh, only Mostly Kirhane. few, I think, like less than two years. It might have even been a few months. Oh, it, it was, was 20, 20 years, years ago. ago. Jinx. Uh, um, and that's relevant. Right. <laughs> For reasons. <laughs> Rand reasons. Rand reasons. <laughs> um, so they spent two years messing up Randland. Yep. Uh, until they killed that guy. And then they were like, okay, mission accomplished. Peace. We're going back to the waste. And everybody was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and the, the really fun context there is like, they came over uh, the spine of the world. The Aiel attacked Kyrene, and there was an alliance formed of all the central, like, mm-hmm. rainland kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. To, to fend off 
these wildlings from beyond the mountains. Uh-huh. And they only brought four clans. Yeah. Of 12. That's cool. No problem. Yeah. Like, I... <laughs> the Aeolus are very so cool. cool. Uh, and that was something this book really did, is we spent a lot of time with the Aeol. You learn a lot about their culture. you learn a lot about their culture. Did you... Anything really stand out for you in that? Um, It's just that I've read and watched the movie Dune <laughs> so often. Yeah. Uh, so the whole time I was like, okay, so they're going to the Sieges. Uh, oh, we're going to talk about our body's water now. And uh-huh. like sharing water and shade. Yeah. Um, so it was very cool. I liked, I liked the things that I like how he set it up. And I also liked how Rand chose to interact with it because he is, he's like at this point, he's accepted that one of his parents was an Aeol. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, okay, this is part of my heritage, but I wasn't raised here. Like this isn't actually my culture. Right. And so he's very cautious about, not cautious, but like conscientious about what he wears and what he chooses to do in their culture. Yeah. Cause like there's, he does the vision quest and he gets the double dragons marking him as he who comes with the dawn. Karakarn! Um, and, but they go to the siege to the, I can't remember the actual word for it now, but the, the clan like holding yeah. basically. Um, and, Every time the clan leader comes back, he has to go and ask if he can come back. Like, because they have the householder is like the woman uh, who holds the land is hers, basically. Um, And he's like, hey, babe, can I come home? And she's like, this time. (laughs) Yeah. I I love the dynamic of, again, Jordan kind of showing off his his awareness of the differences in in various cultures and just Mm. how complicated and interesting you can make certain types of conflict happen just yeah. by people choosing to do something a little differently yeah so the the wise ones hold a particular reverent reverence in Ayo culture they're you know sages they're healers mm. they're you know the hedge witches but they're respected um yeah and they they hold a great deal of cultural influence and power that they are they are sanctified. They are holy. Yeah. Even in battle between clans, wise ones cannot be touched. Yeah. You do not attack them. You do not harm them. If they walk into your way, you literally turn and go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just the wise ones that have power. The the wives of the clan leader mm-hmm. are the ones that have property ownership yeah. of the territory. Yeah. So they are the ones that have say of who comes and who goes. Yeah. They decide who sleeps in their house, yeah. basically. And there's the moment where they they go to whatever his name is, the house, the guy who's been helping Rand this whole time. Ruark. Ruark's house. And Ruark's like, hey, can I come back? Ruark. Please. And she's like, yeah, you can come back, babe. Yeah. Uh, and then there's another guy with them who's an Aiel, but he's not a clan leader. His brother was going to be the clan leader, but he died in Ruidine yeah. and failed the test, basically. Yeah. And so this guy goes up to her and he's like, hey, can I can I come hang out here? And he asks it as if he's a chief. Yeah. And she's like, mm, no, I don't you say. can like, I want to say no, we don't. We're not going to like turn you out to die. Yeah. But 
Like, you're going to beg for whatever scraps you get from this table. Yeah. And then Rand goes and he asks as a beggar. Yeah. He comes to them as a beggar and is like, hey, can I please just have like a scrap from your table? Yeah. And that's, and even though at that point he's got the double dragons, he's the Karakar and like, he's the chief of chiefs is what that means. Yep. And he goes to them and asks as a beggar. Yeah. And that's like a very different, he's like, oh, I know I'm doing this wrong, but also I don't feel right doing it in like a demanding way. Yeah. Um, this is very much the, you know, biblical influence yes. of, of Jesus coming in from the desert um, and the humility that he has to express, even though he has been gifted and recognized mm -hmm. as the king of kings, yeah. the chief of chiefs of these people. Yeah. Of all of these, every single one of these people should be acknowledging mm -hmm. his leadership, his rulership, yeah. his holiness. And, you know, he recognizes that he needs to approach with that humility. He doesn't, he's a fish out of water still. Yeah. He's ignorant. He's, Rand is so swept up in all of this fate that says he has to do this, that he mm -hmm. has to lead all these people. And he doesn't even know these people. Yeah. He's so far out of the the, the wetlands mm -hmm. um, and away from, you know, his father uh, and any semblance of what values the two rivers instilled in yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like you said, all of the characters are becoming so much more worldly mm -hmm. in such a rapid time. And anybody who's ever done even the most simplest trip abroad or at least to somewhere that is a very distinctly different culture yeah. than your own you do grow very yeah. quickly like you become contextually aware of so many different ways that people can be yeah um, and it recontextualizes yourself yeah. in your culture and you come back and you're like oh wow we do things a certain way huh yeah and it like gives you fresh eyes on old things yeah so I find the the Aeol just super intriguing because not only are the influences from uh, the Fremen and Dune, mm. uh, those, of course, were rooted in the Bedouin cultures mm -hmm. of uh, the Middle East and Saudi Arabia Peninsula. And Jordan is drawing from those as well, but he's also drawing from Celtic tribes yeah. and, and influences from um, all the different Celtic tribes, primarily like ireland yeah. and like those mythologies and tribal wars but also like scotland and gaul mm -hmm. and just tracing all of those back and there's little flecks and flavors yeah. of that in there and of course the big one is that the aiel are tan skinned but they are light haired and gingers. light eyed they are gingers yeah and you know kind of tall blondes and redheads with blue eyes mm -hmm. and this whole time we've been hearing throughout the last three books every time somebody looks Rand's way he's too tall and he's got red hair yeah he stands out like a sore thumb and he's got light yeah. gray eyes he's been continually asked are you I <laughs> yeah are you yeah. from you're not from, like, the I'm, I'm from the two rivers I'm from the two rivers I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> and now he's arrived and he sees just yeah he's hundreds like, of people um... that look like him <laughs> Right. I get it now. Yeah. Yeah, bless his little cotton socks. Uh, Rourke is one of my favorite 
characters. And of course, you know, he's yeah. written as one of the Aiel you get to know the most. But he and, and Amis, uh, mm. the, the his wife, or becomes his wife, I believe. I don't even uh, think they're, they're married. They're married. There's another the, one of the, the, the chiefs that there's some things going on with. I You get to learn yeah, so many yeah, of the Aiel, the, and I love it. I love their characterization so much. The Aiel um, double marriage thing comes up in this book where, like, if two women who are best friends are like, we both like the same guy. Yeah. They'll go to him and they'll be like, you're marrying both of us yep. because we don't, our friendship is more important than whatever is going on with you. Yeah. So you're getting to marry both of us. Congratulations. <laughs> right. Um, Which is such, did you read that interview where Robert Jordan, I feel like I bring this up every time, where Robert Jordan was like, hey, I had like two girlfriends in college and they like passed me back and forth yeah. between them and like decided when I was going on a date and yeah. like who I was going with. And I'm like, man, that just explains so much <laughs> about the Wheel of Time. Just like, okay, man, you took your thing and you were like, yeah, that applies to every single person. <laughs> Not every single person. I mean, not every single person. But There's some cultures sure that do up. things. It sure comes up pretty frequently. <laughs> I mean, even like Egwene and Elaine, they're like, yeah, I'm going to pass Rand over to you, Elaine, but we'll like tell him we didn't have this conversation. Yeah. This is, we'll, we'll plot it out between ourselves, but oh, yeah. we won't let him know. Nope. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. The, the women are definitely all kinds of conniving around. Yeah, yeah, deciding how to parcel like, out the men and who gets what, and yeah, it's fine. I'm just like, okay, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, I know he's not trying to make sweeping generalizations. That's just what it was like in his brain. I yes, guess. Yeah. that helps me when I'm reading this to be less annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> less annoyed. <laughs> Two women can't just claim a man. <laughs> I just think some of these people should have conversations with each other. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. There's a lot of, um, Nynaeve does this also, where she's like, someone has to be the boss in this relationship, and it's going to be me. Right? Oh, yeah. Or else. I'm like, girl, there doesn't have to be a boss in this relationship, but okay. If that's your kink, that's your kink. Go for it. Whatever, babe. There's definitely a lot of <laughs> power dynamic conversations, yeah. and they're definitely, like, that. that is where Jordan can write, not so much the romance side of, of sure, the Sure, the power yeah. dynamics. Uh -huh. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are only just starting to get flavors of like the dynamic uh from uh the dragon reborn and now in this book with uh rand and avienda yeah um but she's essentially escapes me right now but like does she get assigned to be like yes. his like, yeah she's tutorial? assigned i think his... that happened in the last book um, uh no it's this one because they the wise ones are like hey follow him around yeah and he's like, hey, if you're following me around, will you, like, tell me stuff about yeah. the Aiel? And she's like, you're so dumb. Yes, I will tell yes. you. <laughs> he he is a lost duckling, and yeah. she is determined both just for her own self-respect and because it's now been her charge yeah. from the wise ones yeah. uh, to, like, make him learn. Yes. Oh, he gonna learn. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the vision quest, I feel like we should probably talk about. I think we're there. So... The Aiel vision quest thing that you go through in Ruidine, 
which you have to go through in order to become a clan chief. Because yeah. if you don't know this, you you can't be an Aiel. This is intrinsic to who the Aiel are. And what they witness is basically the history of the Aiel all the way back to the breaking of the world. Through? Through the breaking of the world to well, before. Through, through, through the ancestors Through the eyes of, of their ancestors. Yes. So your ancestors, the whoever enters these arches experiences the the past lives of their own ancestors Mm -hmm. and all the way back because it's quite clearly it's an unbroken line you're a survivor yeah uh and so this goes all the way back to the breaking of the world Mm -hmm. and and it's interesting because you start with here's ruidine and it's been set up by the genaiel and you're like, okay, I don't understand anything that's happening. But as you go further back in time, you're like, oh, this makes the last bit, this gives context to yeah, what I, I just saw. Yeah, I love the order saw. and the way he um, frames it. Because you start with the most recent, quote unquote. It's yeah. still like a thousand years ago. Yeah. Um, and then you go back to like 3,000 years ago. Um, and so the Jenail have built Ruidine and they're like, we're not going to survive, but we're going to leave Ruidine as a monument. And... What's here is going to be essential for your survival. Um, you need to protect it, right? And the Aiel are like, all right. I mean, we're, we can do that. No problem. We're the Aiel. Like, we're not afraid of anything. And then you go back further and further, and you see how the Aiel came to be. And they're like an offshoot of the Aiel from the... Before the breaking of the world, because mm-hmm. they were called the Aiel then. They were Dashin. Dash. Daishan? Daishan Aiel? Yeah. Something Some, like that. Something like yeah. that. Um, and they served the Aes Sedai. Yeah. And one of the things they did is they never touched a sword. Yeah. They never took up weapons. And one of the things they did is they would sing to help crops grow. Yep. Yeah. And along the lines, like, as the world is breaking and, like, obviously, like, opinion turns against the Aes Sedai and those who served the Aes Sedai. And some of these Aiel in the past served the Forsaken mm-hmm. because the Forsaken were Aes Sedai. Yes. So it's like, you serve your Aes Sedai, that's an Aes Sedai, like, I'm going to do what he tells me to do or she tells me to do or they tell me to do. And so they become nomadic Um, And they wander and they're given the charge of staying alive and protecting the Sa'angriol and the Turangriol that they've been given by the Aes Sedai. Yeah. And gradually over time, they lose so many people and they split off. And one segment of them becomes the Tuatha'an, basically. And so the Tinkers, the Tuatha An, are an offshoot of the Aiel, and they're the ones who follow the the way of the leaf, the way of the leaf um, and they're looking for the song. Yeah. So they're like the non-violence. We're looking for this song that we used to know, and yeah. it, we know it was important, yeah. but we don't know anything else about our history. And then along the way, there were those who picked up weapons to defend themselves, but they very specifically did not pick up swords. Right. They were like, spears aren't swords. (laughs) Skirting the language (laughs) of the law. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, even today, the Aiel do not pick up swords. Do not pick up swords. 
It that's, is, that's it is still, dishonor on you. It is yeah. dishonor on your family. It and is they, dishonor on your cow. And they serve <laughs> the Aes Sedai or the wise ones or whatever. And like whenever an Aes Sedai comes to them, they're like, yeah, okay, you're right. We'll do what you tell us to do. Yeah, they, they're, they're distinct evolution of culture with their sense of servitude mm-hmm. still stands yes but it is clearly you know reformed and remolded mm-hmm. in such a way so the tuahaan are permitted to travel through the wastes anytime they want yeah they are respected but the ayo do not approach them yeah they well because they were banished from the caravans yes for picking up weapons yes and so, so like, the the expectation, yeah. all the chiefs know, right? But nobody and all else the wise does. ones know. Yeah. And so leadership has essentially said, no Aiel may approach those caravans. They are free to come and go as they please. Out of that ancient mm-hmm. respect and acknowledgement. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, if any Aes Sedai come out there, they they show Moraine uh, a great deal of reverence, even mm. though they're very uncomfortable with it. Yeah. They don't want her there. Yeah. Um, and. Then also, uh, again, I love Ruark and the Aiel respect for Lan mm-hmm. in particular, because the the Aiel essentially in their their modern form, their current form in in the series as we encounter them, absolutely live to kill some Trollocs and some oh, Fades. Yeah. Like they yeah. spit in Sightblinder's eye until their last breath. Yeah. That is one of their mottos. And every single one of the Aiel will, you know, theoretically uh, <laughs> live and die by that. And so mm-hmm. when Lon comes over, they have culturally a great respect for him because almost everybody has heard of him. Yeah. He is a legend among the Aiel, even though he's not an Aiel. But he is the last survivor of an entire people that was wiped out by the shadow. Yeah. And they know this. Yeah. And and he still fights against the shadow. And he still fights. They're like, that guy is everything we could hope to be. Math props. <laughs> I mean, they literally, they have a word for him that's like, it either means the one man is a whole country or the whole country is this one man. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's all that's left of Malkier yeah. at this point. And they're oh, like... Yeah. That's so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, if you want to know what... And the Aiel are so cool, you're like, man, what did the Aiel fangirl over? Right. And it's Lon. It's Lon. <laughs> <laughs> I respect it, you know. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see that in the TV show. Yeah. And just, like, the, the characters and actors as they, they mm-hmm. bring that to screen. Just, it's so good. Yeah. Um... So yeah, that brings yeah. us like Rand has now like accepted he's the Dragon Reborn mm-hmm. in tier. Yeah. He's now made it to the IO waste and he's made it through and survived mm-hmm. the vision quest because that is one thing that so is very so important. One guy, the guy next to him who was going through it, his face melted off. His face so melted like... off. He could not handle the truth. Yeah. Because imagine that your oh. entire way of life I is mean... is war. Yeah. And that also your entire culture relies on a very distinct sense of self responsibility and obligation. And your only value as a person among this culture is your honor. Mm -hmm. And 
your entire people are based on a dishonorable act. Yeah. So, like, that was so interesting to read about. Because, of yeah. course, it's, like, so different than anything I was ever exposed to, you know, as a reader coming, you know, teenager coming into this. And then Rand comes out of this. He's, you know, late teenager, early mm-hmm. early adult. And doesn't know these people. Doesn't know his, his dad. Yeah. Uh, his, his biological dad and like sees his ancestors and this whole story of this people and now comes back humbly mm-hmm. uh, you know requests to be back in and is just trying to learn about the people as they are now and accept them but yeah. he also again where people in leadership positions find a tool these are now his people and yeah. they are the most powerful army on the freaking yeah. planet as far as he knows yeah. Um, and that is like when he's doing the vision quest, they specifically call out that like he lives each ancestor's life as that person. Like the moments he sees, he is that person. And so knows the thing that person knows, believes the thing that person believes. Yeah. So that transformation <laughs> over time where you're like living in each person as this like pivotal moment happens he like gets to inhabit gowan basically yeah in that moment where he makes the pivotal choice yeah and so he gets to see the pivotal choice through three thousand years like talk for about like, this yeah exposure and like <laughs> right. maturing really quickly like yeah. oh you're just gonna live a whole bunch of lives yeah. really quickly yeah well um, he already did that with the freaking portal stone transfer that's situation. true flicker 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 yeah boy so were there any other pivotal moments towards the end that you wanted to call out or things? Um, so he goes, he calls all the Aiel together. Uh, and he's like, okay, I got to go declare myself in front of the Aiel moot. <laughs> um, and he gets there and somebody else is there. The guy whose brother went through and died. Yeah, I think it's, I can't remember. Kuladin. Kuladin. Kuladin, you asshole. Yeah, and Kuladin's like... Oh, surprise, I'm the dragon. Re- I'm he who comes with the dawn. I've got these double dragons. Look at him. Look and at Rand's him. like, huh, that's kind of funny. And he rolls up his sleeves and he's like, well, what do you call these then? Yeah. And the guy's like, I don't see you. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Um, but Rand, they're like in front of this huge array of Aiel and Rand's like, okay, yeah, what what did you do in Ruidin? Like, What 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 was it like? What did you see? And Kuladin's like, we're not supposed to talk about it. And Rand's like, really? Well, I saw the lives of my ancestors through to the breaking of the world. And Kuladin's like, you did what? what (laughs) Because he didn't go through the vision quest. He has no clue. He has no idea. No clue. So probably one of the Forsaken was like, hey, do you want to like cause some problems on purpose? That's what I think happened. We don't know for sure. But the other thing that is happening is that a couple of the Forsaken have been, like, shadowing Rand through the Aiel ways. No problem. Don't worry about it. Yep. Um, and after, as this meeting happens, and Rand's like, I'm the Dragon Reborn, uh, the Forsaken, like, attack or run away? That's what happens. He finds out that, what's his name? Asmodian. Yep. Is, like, going to Ruidim to gain control of one of the Terangrial. Yes. And Rand's like, ah, fudge, and chases him. Yeah. And they do a cool teleport thing. Anyway, he's like, ah, 
I'm going to put a pin in this little Aiel meeting. I'll be right back, you guys. Yeah. And like disappears. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> like what a, what a, again, just like this comical D&D adventure is yeah. like, okay, well, you made this choice, but now this other thing is happening. Yeah. We, you were going to have this one pivotal battle, but now I'm interrupting with something time. else. Yeah. Um, and so they go and they fight in Ruidin for control of the huge Terangrial. Yeah. The that's, Choden call. That's like buried wherever. Yeah. So um, it's got like a little control controller. When you in the Great Hunt, mm -hmm. uh, they pass by. They're uh, digging it up. Kareen uh, workmen that are ex excavating yeah. this giant statue. Yeah. Uh, and all you see is a hand out of the ground with a sphere in it. Mm -hmm. And these are not too big of a spoiler, but like this is only one. Yeah, well, and you, there are a pair. You got to have a man and a woman. A man and a woman, of course. Which um, actually we cover in this book because he finds the controller. Yeah. For both, yep. I think. Yes. Um, uh, and they so... are two of the the there are the giant statues are the power, uh, Sangreal, and then there are two Tarangreal that are small statues mm -hmm. that are the link to those. So you don't right. you can't carry around the giant statues. Uh, sure, <laughs> it's, it's huge. Um, but the the Jinail have have stored those two controllers yeah. amongst all the other things. And so yeah. one of the things that's definitely happening is they're going to go through a reading and look for all the little magic items they can carry off Ye with. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so Rand chases Asmodine down and... They fight over it. Yeah. Um, And Rand wins. But what he does is he severs Asmodian's, Asmodian's connection to the Dark One. Yes. Um, and he's like, hey, do you want to be my teacher? I need someone who knows literally anything about how to channel as a man who's not connected to the Dark One. Yep. And Asmodian's like, why did you do this to me? This is I the hate worst. It. I'd um, rather be dead. <laughs> I would rather do anything else. Which is so, and Lanfear is there and she's like, man, I brought you this guy so he would teach you. Yeah. Um, and she totally did it on a purpose. She did. I mean, she did. <laughs> uh, and she's like, why won't you just do what I tell you to do? And Rand's like, please. <laughs> it's because you're a forsaken. I don't know if you remember this, but you're a forsaken. Yeah. And I don't want to work with you. And she's like, I don't understand what the problem is. Right. Um, <laughs> so Rand basically severs Asmodian's connection to the Dark One and is like, well, now you have to work with me. Because otherwise you're boned. Yeah. Uh, and I need a teacher. And Asmodian's like, I mean, I will because I don't really see any other option right now. Yeah. Uh, but also now the magic taint is going to affect me yeah. because I am no longer protected by the dark one. Yep. So cool. Can't wait for both of us to go mad. Thanks. Thanks, bro. Yeah. Um, but hey, Rand finally has someone who knows what it's like to channel Sidene. Yeah. So he sure does that. And then he gets back to the... Oh, the other thing that happens is they destroy Ruidine. Yeah. They remove all the magical protections from the city and they like crack it in half. Um, but now there's a lake there. Yeah. So that'll be good for later. Turns out there was an aquifer under the Ruidine the whole time. Some water under there. It's like the Genial built it there <gasps> for a reason. How could they know? It's fucking magic. Who knows? Um, 
So Rand gets back to the Aiel moot, and he's like, wow, where'd everybody go? Uh, and half of them are following Kuladin, and half of them stayed. So he gets half of the Aiel, which is still pretty good. Oh, he gets, it's not like quite half and half necessarily, but like he definitely gets, I think it's, so there's 12 clans, and he, like four clans leave or something like that. Yeah. Like several clans leave. And Kuladin is specifically, he was the brother of a guy that died trying to go become yeah. chief of the clan. Yeah. Kuladin thinks he deserves it. Clearly trying to be chief of chiefs. He's yeah. like done with all this, this BS. He wants power and leadership and yeah. respect. He wants to be respected. Yeah. He is of the Shaido. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not hard to imagine, but you're going to come to appreciate the Shaido <laughs> very much like you do the White Cloaks. <laughs> Wow, what yeah. a surprise. Yeah. Uh, Kulin is very representative of yeah, the way the rest out. of their, their choices people are going to make. Yeah. Um, and one of the things we do a lot of in this book is talking about how different cultures have different um, prophecies about the Dragon Reborn. Yes. Yeah. Because we do the island people, uh, sea folk, the wave walkers. Yeah. Mermaids, water people. Um, it's late. I'm tired. Um, but they have they have a legend yeah. about the savior, yeah. basically. They have a different word for it. But as soon as Nynaeve and Elaine are like, yeah, we're working for the Dragon Reborn, they're like, oh, okay. Come yeah. on our boat. We're going to drop everything and we're going to help you. Yeah. And I was like, that's pretty convenient, but okay. <laughs> I understand. Um and then, like, the Aiel obviously have this whole mythos around him because they know he comes from them. Yeah. Like, he's going to be an Aiel. Yeah. Basically. Well, of them, but not of them. Right. Um, And one of the things that their legends tell them is that most of them are going to die. Yeah. They have to follow him, but most of them are going to die. But if they don't follow him, they'll all die. They'll all die. So it's like your choice is a remnant of a remnant will survive or you all die. Yeah. And, and that has been. And he will break the people. Yeah. To remake the people. Yeah. And that has been their sort of their history is the their sh- like shatter points um, for the Aiel because you see that like they break apart into the Tuatha'an and yeah. then there's the Gen Aiel and the Aiel and then it's just the Aiel. Yeah. And it's like okay, these people have been hunted and, like, gone through a lot of changes and, like, all the chiefs know it, all the wise ones know it. This is still actually very fresh history for them. Yeah. Um, And you grow up and you know that, like, your destiny is to be dust, basically. It's rough. It's rough to be an Aiel. It is. And it's such an interesting people... And just contextually, just from real world cultures and mythos and everything is just how differently people live in harsh environments and yeah. in, in harsh, troubling times of unrest or conflict, uh, you know, internal to your culture, external influences. And the Aeol call the waste the threefold land because mm-hmm. it, it basically is this great kind of forge that is constantly folding them and, and reshaping them. And yeah. It's honing them to an edge, but that means wearing away 
anything else. Yeah. And so the the book ends here where Kuladin has esconded yeah. with a whole lot of Aiel. Yeah. I mean, it only took four clans to bring the continent to its knees. Yeah. So. Yeah. No problem. I'm sure it'll be. Eh, he's not going. In. He's, it's, <laughs> that won't come back What later. kind of trouble could he he's cause? He's going to go off into the waste and we'll never see him again. Yeah. Don't worry about no. it. He's, he'll find his own little corner to just rule peacefully. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um. So, yeah, that's pretty much all my notes. What final things yeah. have we forgotten? Um, A couple of like little minor things. Like the one of the things we skipped over with Perrin is that uh, he meets somebody else in the wolf dream. Oh, yeah. There's the whole Slayer plot line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who I got Myth to tell me who it was. Yeah. <laughs> easily easily overlooked in, in the context of everything else happening in the yeah. story. It's a very subtle it's one little of those... introduction, but he becomes... It's one of those things that it's like when I'm writing um, like a summary, I'm like, okay, I know this will come back later. Yeah. But I can't talk about it in terms of like the wider story because it's like fundamentally it's a little piece of a little piece of a story. Right. Um, But that is an interesting thing because we do get a lot more in the dreaming. The other thing that we do with the dreaming along with Perrin using it to scout is that Egwene is learning dreamwalking and mm-hmm. she's learning from the wise ones and she's using it to keep in contact with Elaine, Elaine and Nynaeve, and Nynaeve yeah. across the continent. Yeah. So basically the wise ones in the dreamwalking have Facebook. They have the instant messenger ability that yeah. like nobody else has. Yep. Well, which is cool. Well, there's some people. No, no modern people that they know of. Right. Correct. <laughs> The Forsaken, we They're have actually <laughs> seen meeting in that's true. the dream world. Yeah, that's um, true. I just imagine they have a group chat. Yeah, they, right. Like passive aggressively change each other's names and <laughs> all the time. Of course. Um, so that they do more dreaming stuff. And we also get um, good old Brigitte Silverbow in this. Oh, my God. I... Holy forgot. Yeah. That's so important. I can't believe when we were talking about Mogadine, <laughs> I slipped over that. That's oh my god. That's it. Brigitte tells Nynaeve about Mogadine. That's who it is. Yeah, yes. she's not supposed to tell. Oh my gosh. She's not supposed to interfere with Brigitte. the human lives, like yep. the living. She's nope. supposed to just wait for the horn to call her, but she's like I'm so bored, and these people are getting away with so much. Yes. What questions do you have? Uh, and she, like, spills the tea on oh. Mogadine. And that's, like, uh, fundamental to Nynaeve, like, beating her, basically. Yeah. But but more importantly, specifically, what happens to Brigitte? Uh-huh. Does that happen in this book? Mm-hmm. Am I getting ahead of the story? You might be getting ahead of the story. Uh, so Maybe that's on another encounter with Mogadine. Yeah, because I don't think anything happens. She's still in the dreaming. She's just like, I'm going to give you information that you wouldn't yeah. have okay. had otherwise. That's what I remember. Yeah. Certainly blocks of the story that are connected, like Blur, which book they have sure. on information. Um, 
So yeah, Birgit is certainly going to be around for a while. Yeah. And she is, she's a delight. Yeah. You just, you're yeah. going to love her. Yeah. You're going to love her. Great. Um, Absolutely one of the, the fan favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, cosplays for her are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll, you'll, you probably got a sense of her personality and archetype uh, in the initial encounters, but like she's, she's an archer. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, Basically, if Maid Marian and Robin Hood were mashed up, mm-hmm. um, and then you'll they'll reference a whole bunch of archetypes. Yeah, uh, and of course, like all the the heroes of the Horn, she goes by other names and other lives mm-hmm. uh, through history. Um, can't wait for you to get more of her next book. Yeah, this has sort of been like we have heard about her and we saw her when Matt blew the horn. Yeah, but like this is our first sit down and chat with this character right. moment. Um, which is always just your first setup and then pay off later. Yeah. So, so after recapping all of these wonderful adventures for <laughs> these characters, and I think this might even be one of our longer episodes, oh. um, but you've made it through book four. I sure have. You, you got through the book that I know I've, just hyped up a whole bunch <laughs> your your real-time friends probably hyped uh-huh, up a bit uh-huh. like the the scope is grand now yeah like how do you feel about the story um i think if it had kept going in the same fashion as the first three books i wouldn't be as interested sure in continuing reading also it's like i am taking a long time with it it takes forever for anything to happen. Right. So it took three books that are over 700 pages long to get to this point where I'm like, oh, yeah, I wonder what happens next. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. like, it's it's a slow burn. And I do like slow burn stories. Sure. But boy, <laughs> smoldering. <laughs> smoldering. Slowest. Very, very low, yeah. low temperature. Um, but I like it and I like being able to see like some of the things that I know are going to happen in the story. I can see the setup for it. Nice. And I can see some things that I'm like, okay, I can tell that's setting up for something. Right. But you can start to feel the way he frames right. the setup and everything. Um, but I know enough to know that it's not always going to be the conclusion that I think it will mm-hmm. um, based on like. The, the Matt blowing the horn thing is what I keep coming back to as, like, the moment where I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that based on right. everything that I have read so far. That was the unexpected moment. Um, so it, I'm interested to see what other moments there are like that. Heck yeah. Um, and I was, we were talking before we started recording, but, like, the... The thing about this series and, like, the foreshadowing and the setup is that, like, I feel like this series probably greatly rewards a reread. Yes. Like. 100%. Surely you, as someone who has read this four times or however many times, you can speak to that as, like, coming back to this story with the context. Yeah. Is very powerful. It It is distinctly why this series is so successful in my opinion and and not even just my opinion like the greater context of why jordan con exists why the the tv show finally got made Mm. why it has sustained 
life in a heavily competitive fantasy publishing realm of stories the much like lord of the rings which distinctly much shorter still has this epic heroic scope to it Mm -hmm. but now jordan has taken that epic heroic story and just looked at every apocalyptic story in the world and been like i could use all of that yeah and then he does yeah and he does it very well yeah and so many people are intrigued by that and one of my particular delights and i've probably mentioned it in previous uh chats we've had but like the revisiting the story and just like figuring out what the archetypes are what the the relevant mythos Mm -hmm. influences are is a joy to me and i think a joy to a lot of readers because it exposes you very naturally to the real world mythos and religions and cultures of so many bits of our real history Mm -hmm. um like we talked about the the you know influence and similarities of like the catholic church and the Aes Sedai or the Aiel and like Bedouin cultures or mm-hmm. the Fremen and I had not read Dune before I started this series mm. so when I went to sure. read Dune I was like oh look at these yeah. Fremen they're a whole lot like the Aiel yeah yeah I'm drawing lines I'm making connections <laughs> and like you know I, I 100% suspect that Robert Jordan had read Dune like he was well aware but Surely. both Frank Herbert and Robert Jordan had read T.S. Eliot's mm. history of his time with the Bedouin cultures and yeah. the alliance that he helped na- uh, negotiate of the, the Bedouin tribes. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're both pulling from similar bits of yeah. history. And Joseph Campbell has explored all manner of uh, the hero's journey and everything mm. um, that Jordan's relying a lot on. You get all the Arthurian tales. You start to get the Norse mythologies now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just so many other layers and influences. I love that he takes the time to flavor the clothing people wear, mm-hmm. the eating implements people use, the types of food and spicing that the cultures have. Like it, he He understands how to take that reasoning and influence of a particular culture from anywhere in the world and then spice it into his little setting and make it feel so real and so natural yeah um and it's rereading the series is just like re-watching something you're always going to notice a few more different details yeah. and yeah. so despite the fact that it is plotting at times mm-hmm. it is a slow burn it is a lot of words it is <laughs> ultimately a very well constructed story um so does that mean you're gonna read book five we'll see some someday i mean look i'm staying pretty true to my prediction of taking seven years to read this series so i mean two a year it's not bad yeah i'm making good progress yes you are okay i'm also reading 50 other books a year so i'm very busy you have definitely read some books i sure have <laughs> you know what put that on my tombstone she sure read some books yo i will make sure that's there. that's delightful <laughs> that's that's a beautiful beautiful headstone read quote some books. Uh, yeah that's it um well thank you for making a podcast with me heck yeah it was fun
I am glad you got to this book in this point in the story. Uh, when and if you, you get to the rest of it, um, this is one of the best books of the series. Mm. Just so so many interesting, specific things happen finally yeah. to the characters that it's just a yeah. great little story. I feel like I have heard several people say this was the best one or their favorite one. Yeah. So maybe I should just stop here. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> If this is if this is where it peaks, I mean, I mean, now I have to tell you that you have to get to book six. The end of book six is where the big action starts. I don't know, man. I'm not sure I believe it anymore. Well, you made it to the end. Congratulations. Join me next time. I think I'm going to be talking about In Other Lands by Sarah Reese Brennan. You can find Daniel Daniel's podcast on Spotify. It's called Reinventing the Wheel, where he talks about the TV show, the Wheel of Time TV show, um, which is very good and you should watch it. As always, you can contact me at backlogbookspod at gmail.com. Uh, And you can find my website at backlogbooks.com. I'm on Facebook. And, um, yeah, I think that's everything for now. Thanks for sticking around. I hope to talk with you again soon.